0: There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Angie Rogers, the president and CEO of the Association of Arizona Food Banks. Welcome, Angie. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you on. Uh, The Association of Arizona Food Banks serves five regional food bank members, and you support over 1,200 food pantries. You are one of the inaugural partner associations with Feeding America, so really excited to hear about the work that that your group is doing and obviously uh, the important work of all the food banks. So I, I guess just if if you would walk us through your career path and 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 how you found this this work.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Well, I um I nobody ever intends to go into food banking I think as a career choice, but it it tends to find you. I uh started my work doing some Uh, advocacy uh, with legal aid and uh, fair housing and consumer protections I moved into working with children which is really my passion around health care and children involved in Child Protective Services Um, I worked for a governor at one point doing human services and employment work Um, and then I uh, had a set of twins who are now nine and uh, stayed home with them for a short period of time and And then uh, this opportunity opened up and I really thought um, about something that my predecessor had said in a meeting one time about Food banking really being the canary in the coal mine when economic conditions change very quickly uh food banking tends to know about it fairly quickly um recently again i was in a meeting national with some national partners and reminded of a quote and i'm not going to remember who said it that every developed nation um, and undeveloped nation is nine meals away from anarchy and i think you really start to realize when people's food systems are threatened um, what can happen to their political structures, to their economic structures, obviously to your individual household. Um, but it, it really is um, it, it definitely at the forefront of of the most basic of needs.
0: Every developed nation is nine meals away from anarchy.
1: Yes, yes, including the United States, which is really fascinating work when you think about the work of food banking. Um, Much of what I have learned about food banking, I've learned in the six years I've been with the association. And um, we are a secondary supply chain system for um, nearly 130,000 people a month. So it's a significant amount of charitable relief. We tend to help support organizations with their, um, their food needs. We, we don't delve into the work of domestic violence or homelessness, but we tend to help those organizations supply food to be able to feed people as they work their way through a shelter or through a, 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 an alternative program like an employment program. Uh, we provide that backbone service. So um, it, it is critical, important work, and I'm humbled by the many people that I get to work with every day.
0: Yeah, I, I don't doubt that for a second. How many? Um, if we can, if you could share just some ideas about the numbers. I mean, one hundred thirty thousand people a month is is pretty astonishing. Um, are are there some other key numbers that that really jump off the page?
1: You know, it's it's unfortunate, I guess, and a good thing, because I, I have learned so much in food banking about logistics and operations, we tend to measure our success in pounds and truckloads of okay. food. Um, and that's unfortunate, because that's hardly relatable to you and I, who I, I, I imagine you couldn't tell me how many pounds of food you ate for lunch. <laughs> um, it's typically about 1.2, equates 1.2 uh, pounds of food is one meal. Okay. Um, um, and last year, our network distributed 185 million pounds of food. So that's about 150 meals. Um, so that's very significant um, to, to the work that we do in making sure that people are fed on a day-to-day basis. Um, we uh, dispel a lot of myths about whose food banks. Serve uh, Only about 10% of our population is homeless. Um, typically, you need to have access to cooking facilities in order to utilize the food that we distribute within our network. That's not always true, but um, you know we have rice and beans and shelf-stable items like cans. But increasingly, we've intentionally tried to increase our distribution of more healthy, fresh foods. And last year, distributed about 40% of the food that we distributed was um fresh fruits and vegetables. So we are definitely um, intentionally trying to do that and provide a healthy product mix for for our clients.
0: Well, I certainly appreciate that. So if 10% of the people that you serve are homeless, the other 90% are comprised of?
1: Variety of different people, uh, seniors on fixed incomes, uh, families that are working but maybe between jobs or working part-time hours or low wages, Uh, We serve an increasing number of children, either directly at our food banks or through our partner organizations, like this summer, um, St. Mary's Food Bank Alliance is one of the largest sponsors in the state of summer feeding sites. So they are the ones that do all of the meal preparation. Um, They make sure that schools have that meal ready when kids show up for summer feeding uh, programs, maybe they attend a boys and girls club, or maybe they go to the school in the summertime to, um, you know, learn more summer schools, those kinds of activities. Um, we provide the meal to that school or to that uh, site to make sure that kids obviously don't go uh, six or seven hours uh, during that day without without food. So um, we, we see a variety of different audiences and um, about half uh, or 60% of our folks Come to us less than three times a year, so we're we're seeing uh, people again in certain circumstances that may not cause them to need us on a regular basis. Um, it, our seniors and some of our folks with disabilities tend to be the ones that we see on a consistent, maybe month to month type basis. But the majority of our folks uh, kind of uh, you know need need our help, and then um, may be able to, to meet their food
0: needs elsewhere. Got it. Okay. So I, I I see that the vision of the organization is a hunger free Arizona and, and I appreciate that. So you're serving such a dynamic and diverse group of people. Um, can you give me an idea of without your services how how kids would be impacted? I know that seniors are the most consistent users. So so seniors and children, I I, I guess are most at risk people.
1: Yeah, they're our most vulnerable folks. Um, I I think that that food banking looks at it in two ways. What we try to do immediately is to what we call feed our line, making sure that everybody that shows up at our members' doors or at our agency partners' doors gets food, and we and we want to do that, recognizing that we don't always understand the circumstances that cause them to be in our line, and we want to make sure that when they get there, we are that... Um, dedicated resource to be able to provide them food. Um, And that's where that 130,000 people a month, really, that number kind of comes into. The second thing that food banking is really focused on is shortening that line. How do we work um, in partnership with other community-based organizations or with policymakers to set good nutrition policy or to be able to work with our employment partners or our healthcare partners so that we can address some of the other needs of those clients Um, before they get to our line if we can provide them or work with partners that provide stable housing maybe that's an element of their budget that they would um, be able then to if their housing needs were addressed then we would free up their money in their budget to be able to address their food needs so um, we intentionally work in both strategies to both feed the line and shorten the line got it Um, and I I think that the element related to your question around kids and seniors is um, working with um, the the AAAs, the Area Agencies on Aging, on things that address um, their quality of life, their mobility, uh, social isolation. Those are the things that, that our a- aging communities tend to work on. And then if we can provide things like Meals on Wheels to make sure that seniors who may not have access to transportation or uh, to cooking, um, like a kitchen or maybe it's unsafe for them to cook, then um, we uh, we provide the meal to them uh, directly through you know a partnership like Meals on Wheels. For kids, uh, that that also exists. And the, the most recent example I can provide you was about a year ago when um, we had uh, schools that were closed due to teacher uh, negotiations related to salary. And <laughs> and I reminded uh, the community at that time that that our schools feed about six hundred and fifty thousand children a day. Um, through free and reduced lunch meals and without that meal those kids largely would go home to um, refrigerators that that typically would not be fill, filling their bellies during the day because that's usually a, a, a function of the school during the school year and so they came to us and said you know how many meals do you think that you could be able to provide and and our network stepped up and provided a number of schools. Some schools stayed open. They, they went ahead and provided a meal. Um, some schools turned to us, and we were able to deliver a meal to that school. And the school opened up specifically just to serve that meal to kids. Um, other communities obviously didn't necessarily need that resource. Um, but we do step in and help feed kids, uh, summer breaks, uh, school breaks. Obviously, during this the, the teacher situation, we were able to step in and help kids that way too.
0: Wow, that's something I I hadn't thought about at all. 650,000 650, kids a day are, are are getting food at school.
1: Yeah, and and when you drive that against, uh, we we educate more than a million children every day in our schools. So six hundred fifty thousand of them are. Um, in a circumstance in their household that makes them qualify for free and reduced lunch price meals, and so it, it really recognizes and I think underscores um, how close all of us are to um, to our next paycheck, to our next uh, crisis, to our next circumstance um, that we all may be living uh, paycheck to paycheck, but in some circumstances it could be meal to meal.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Okay, so. I mean, you you mentioned that you've learned so much about logistics, and that's what I was thinking was, yes, you deal in food, but fundamentally, I guess you are a logistics company.
1: We are. Um, We do three things. We really focus on three things, and the first one is logistical support. We are able to distribute a significant amount of food in partnerships with our food banks to make sure that food, particularly that is grown in the southern part of the state, or maybe even in northern Mexico, makes its way all the way to the northern part of the state, where we grow less food. Um, And so we want to make sure that communities um, in the south, like Yuma, for example, the largest producer of, of leafy greens in the country, make sure that that gets, To the Navajo County or it gets to Apache County and so we provide that transportation resources Uh, typically we in food banking see that we don't have a problem of getting food Um, we have um, I'm sure that you've had other uh, guests on your show talk about food waste and the challenges that we have of having too much food or maybe even wasting food in landfills We do our part to try and eliminate that the best that we can, and that is in large part due to the logistical support that we have to be able to move fresh produce, typically perishable items, um, into communities quickly and get it distributed to people who need it.
0: Got it. So is is there a scenario that you can sort of walk me through? Is it making sure that grocery stores are being mindful about okay, this doesn't look like it's going to sell, let's get it in the hands of somebody who needs it?
1: Absolutely. I will tell you our sources of food. Um, About 25% or so of our food comes from grocery stores, maybe even a little more than that. Um, And it's not just traditional grocery stores, it could be Costco's and Walmart's and large super centers as well. But um, from retail space, um, a significant amount of our food comes from them. They've been very generous partners to us um, and it's beyond dented cans. It's things that don't sell. It's things that can't sell. It could be manufacturers overproduction of something. Um, we have worked not just as a state but as a national network. You mentioned Feeding America to be able to um, make sure that, uh, that grocery stores really see us as a resource to address their waste that we're making sure that um, if we can use it, we give it to hungry people. If it's not in a consumable way for humans to consume it, we get it to pig farmers and other <laughs> animal um, uh, folks, and then our third way is we're doing the best that we can to compost and and do alternative waste solutions to to dispose of product before it hits the landfill. So it's it, we're we're doing what we can to make sure that there is as little of waste as possible in our food system.
0: Got it. Uh, just. I feel like it's maybe a a bad question, but I'm going to ask anyway. Does the grocery store, do they get uh, a a tax incentive to to make donations of food?
1: At a national level, they do, uh, certainly are able to donate. Um, Here locally in Arizona, we also have a tax tax subtraction for growers or producers of fresh produce. If they would like to uh, donate that to our network, they can get a tax subtraction a dollar for dollar for all of the production hmm. costs. Um, as you can imagine growing all of that, and then not having a place to sell it, um, leaves you with uh, fresh fruits and vegetables that are certainly consumable, but don't have a home. And we want to be able to provide that home for them.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. It certainly seems like a win-win all, all, all across the board. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you mentioned getting, uh, working with policy makers, um, and you would think that this would be a pretty obvious thing if you need support and help. But then again, I know that our, pol- our, our politics are not always the easiest thing in the world. Um, how, how is that, working with our elected officials?
1: You know, it's, it, it can be a challenge. Um, food banking enjoys bipartisan support. Um, Like you said, it's very difficult to find anyone who's opposed to feeding children. (laughs) Um, And this year, we were very successful in in securing almost a million dollars to help support the distribution of of federal commodities that came to us as a result of the trade disruptions um, that we've encountered with China and, and other international trade partners. When we are unable to sell that food, to foreign uh, countries, uh, it stays here, and the federal government bought up a significant amount. I think about twelve billion dollars worth of food that stayed in this country, and then um, our network was the recipient of a significant amount of pork and and uh, milk and apples and oranges and walnuts and all sorts of of good food that we are now trying to distribute and. The state uh, was able to give us another million dollars to help with the storage and distribution of that product because, um, as a a development director, I once had said, frozen turkeys don't fly their way into food banks. So um, it it really is necessary to make sure that we help support the logistics related to making getting that food into uh, families' homes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that very much. So
1: that's, that's beneficial. Um, I think it, the challenge that we have is continues to be, and this is not just in food banking but in, in human services as a whole, is the, the us-them gap that continues to grow. And I think um, what now needs to happen is that we need to be more intentional in our work to assure um, everyone that we're in this together, that we intend to feed our neighbors who fall on, difficult circumstances. We intend to to help individuals who may have made a bad choice at one point in their life and not have that be a life sentence, that we need to show um, some additional empathy and practice kindness to our neighbors. And that can go a long way in our communities, and I think it can go even further in our policymaking.
0: Well, I certainly agree. So you you, you said that there's this us-them gap that continues to grow. And can, can you elaborate more on that?
1: Well, I think um, in human services, we tend to look at uh, charity and in, even in public policy as those individuals who, by individual circumstance, have now caused them to need a food bank or them that need to receive benefits like the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as, as Food Stamps. So we see some type of character flaw in that individual if that circumstance tends to arise. And I think for those of us who've worked in human services, myself for 25 years, I never see it as an individual character flaw. I see it more likely as a, uh, a institutional or systems challenge, that that individual may have not been able to get a job. Uh, they may not have been able to, um, you know, get an education even to get that job. And that has now prevented them from securing safe housing. it may cause them to jump from employment situation to employment situation rather than to career path. Um, and I think we need to work on um, systems change rather than looking at it as an individual character flaw that causes people to be in the circumstances that they are. And I, I think that scares some individuals because if you've enjoyed um, systems that have worked for you in the past, making changes to those systems, could be a little scary.
0: Got it. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And people who say you have to trust the process are people the process typically works for. So, so I, I, I totally totally. it. I think
1: that could be true. But I, I was having a conversation recently about the poverty rate in Arizona. Roughly one in four children has been in a circumstance of poverty for for a number of years. That statistic has not changed significantly. And I think we need to be more intentional about. Our work in saying we are going to reduce the poverty rate not just in 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 in, for children but for everyone for seniors and others but that is going to take more than charity to do it we're going to have to do move beyond food banking that we this is going to have to be a decision of our policymakers and of our leaders to be able to say that stubborn 25% we can do better by those children
0: and do you have some ideas on, on, on what we can do (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I I think we could go a long way again. The the empathy that I talked about is is not uh, looking at individuals trying to access the system as trying to gain the system or otherwise broadly attain benefits. I hear that argument uh, fairly frequently in my work, and I challenge that presumption really? pretty con- consistently that um, that people are trying to somehow get uh, a free free meal really. Wow. <laughs> um, and I and I think uh, we need to recognize that that you know there there are circumstances which individuals may not have access to technology. They may not have access to transportation, and those are more likely the reasons why access is a challenge, not that they are attempting to to again fraudulently obtain benefits.
0: Yeah, well, that you hear that frequently is a, is a sad thing, but. I, I I I guess it should not be a surprise. We do live in a a dynamic world. So, got it.
1: We do. Well, we Angie, do. Angie,
0: so you've been you've been um, working in this as the president CEO for six years. One question we love asking is what are what are some of the top things that you've really learned over the last three years, or it certainly can be six.
1: <laughs> well, good. <laughs> um, I, it's going to be hard to limit it to three, but, um, but I will start with, um, the, the first thing we talked about, the logistics. I learned so much about logistics and I would say giving away free food is hard. Uh, we at times have a, uh, a gluttony of wonderful donated product and moving it quickly through our limited resource supply chain is hard. Um, making sure that it shows up into small communities in Safford and in, uh, Globe and in Mojave County in a way that to, um, our clients can prepare it and eat it, um, you know, without it going to waste within a day of, of showing it up at that food bank is, is a logistics miracle at times. So I'm, I'm really um again, in awe of the folks that I work with. And, okay. and that leads me to my second one, which is food bankers and our clients are amazingly resilient. Um, we have been doing a little bit of work to grant funds to organizations across the state. Not a lot of money, not typically what we are able to do, but we did um, have a generous uh, few donors that were able to make this possible, including the state. Last year gave us Some funds to help support our small agency partners. And when I say small, this one really stands out. It's in a rural community, and they called us and they said, We need a little help. And they said, We pay um, about $70 in utility costs and about $50 in waste fees. And so that's our budget for an entire month. And they serve about 80 people a month, and they said, could we get a little help? And I just thought, you know, for $120 a month, we really can make a significant difference in this community. And the resiliency of those volunteers um, and of those folks that are um, relying on that food bank to meet their most basic needs is is really amazing. So the resiliency of our network is uh, very humbling. Um, and I think finally what I said before about this us them gap. Uh we need to be intentional about growing our work that that um recently when the federal government shut down uh I know we were stuck by um Having TSA workers and uh, federal prison workers show up for the very first time in our food bank saying, I think I'm going to get paid, but I don't know when and I need to put food on the table today just shows how close so many of us are from the circumstances that would cause us to need to... Um, be in a food bank line, and so I think uh, again, just um, making sure that we intentionally approach people with kindness and um, and an uh, ability to help them, rather than um, looking at them as though uh, somehow they were a, uh, a cause for their circumstances.
0: Excellent. The logistics, giving away food is hard. The amazing resilience of of the folks working in the industry and the importance of intentionality in closing the gap. I think that those are excellent. Thank you so much.
1: Wonderful.
0: And finally, if you could make one plea knowing that the entire world would hear it, what would that plea be?
1: Wow, that, that's a hard one um, I, again I, I'll go back to practicing kindness again approaching our neighbors without understanding the circumstances that they may find themselves in and and being able to be a resource and a help rather than um, a judge or a, a you know person that that's, and 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 again being very grateful for the circumstances if you're in an ability to help your neighbor I encourage you to do so
0: I love it I love it. Well, Angie, um, how can people get involved with your work, um, either with their time or money? What, how, 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 how can they do it?
1: All those things. So um, obviously we rely um, in food banking on a tremendous amount of volunteer operations. It basically doubles our workforce. And so if you have the opportunity to volunteer at one of our members um, you can you can uh, go to our website www.azfoodbank.org. Uh, we have an ability to connect you to volunteer opportunities through our members. Um, you can always go on there and type in your zip code and find a food bank that's closest to you and call that food bank. I'm sure they'd be happy to have you as a volunteer. Um, obviously, you can volunteer you can donate funds through that site as well, and that's always appreciated. Um, And then finally, I think um, it's very common. Uh, The letter carriers, the Boy Scouts, we have a number of groups who do food drives for us, and we're very appreciative of the food that we get um, as donated as well. So um, anything that you can do to, again, uh, get a jump start on practicing your kindness to your neighbor, we would greatly appreciate.
0: Excellent. Well, Angie, I'm I'm so grateful for your time today. I'm I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, along with the five regional food banks, um, and obviously all the all the all the people who, who work at this full time, and all the volunteers, and everybody involved. Um, and it's certainly eye opening, and it makes sense that again that every developed nation is nine days away, or nine meals away from anarchy. I I completely believe that. So, any other final thoughts?
1: No, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your listeners. And and like I said, I I look forward to hopefully speaking with you again.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you again. And thanks, as always, for listening. Please do go to azfoodbanks.org and learn about all the important work that they're doing. Volunteer some time at one of the local food banks. Um, Donate some money, because obviously there is always a need for all of those things and as always keep questioning because the struggle is real before i go quick announcement i've been asked by so many people over the past couple years about how do i start a podcast that i've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrumbacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.